For the final episode of season two of the Standard Age podcast, I sat down with Scott Newkirk, who grew up in Mississippi, only to find out he'd become a proud D student and a desire for something more. After a bit of time spent freelancing with retail visual work, Scott left for New York City where he quickly immersed himself into the fashion world with the likes of Barney's and Armani. He quickly created a name for himself as a stylist, and after two decades in the city, Scott decided to take a break. After a stint back home in Mississippi, he was asked to become the creative director of Tabor, a menswear boutique in Charlotte, North Carolina. I had found Tabor on Instagram and paid them a visit last fall when I was home. I must say, their merchandise was fantastic given the conservative nature of North Carolina, and that's not to say the assortment is even all that loud, however, the labels themselves are simply those you don't see often, if ever, anywhere else in the state. So I guess I should say I was, well, proud on a certain level and was quite pleased to see the progression. Scott is incredibly hospitable, as is everyone else in the shop, and I really enjoyed chatting about the ins and outs of not only his career trajectory, but also their store breathing so much life into the menswear evolution in the South. If you have a moment, please rate and review this podcast as it's instrumental in growing the show. As always, I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Well, Scott, thanks for taking part in the podcast. It's a pleasure. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about where you grew up. You were from... I was born in Jackson, Mississippi in 1960, which was probably a really tumultuous time um, for the South, obviously it was. Um, and we, uh, we moved out to Madison, which is a little town just north of, of Jackson when I was probably in the third grade. Okay. And I uh, went to school out there and, you know, um, yeah, my mom was a teacher. Um, in fact, she taught, she taught in the same schools I went to from probably third grade through 11th, which was always really interesting. Oh yeah. Um, in fact, was my homeroom teacher when I was in seventh grade, which was, you know, kind of tragic for me, but I made it through. Too much of a finger on the pulse? <laughs> Way too much, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was a proud D student, so it was, uh, <laughs> you know, always interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my dad was a civil engineer and, um, and I'm the middle child of, uh, the three of us. You know, it's crazy. There are so many people that I've talked to that have mothers who were teachers. It's like probably the most common job of the mother of the guest. And, and, on this and, and I wonder, I don't know whether that's, um, whether we are all a certain age group to where that was what a lot of moms did back in the. 60s, 70s. Um, I don't know what it is, but also I, you know, I wonder just sort of. I know that with my folks, they instilled a certain amount of um, interest in being creative and being independent and being sort of our own person, which I think um, was um, a huge part of my growing up with them. I think just um, there was there's a certain amount of open mindedness that you know, especially for the South, that that they gave us which was pretty great. Sure. Uh, and my dad was to some degree as a civil engineer, he was always, he was always drawing so that he was a real artist in, in some ways, always painting. Um, he designed the house that we live in. I think I, any, any of the real interest or curiosity about art kind of came through him, which was cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. What kind of style was he into? I mean, just anything. He was just, 
I think he really just dabbled. It wasn't anything that was he was that professional with at all. But he would do still lifes, or he would do um, you know a, a Mayan uh, mask that he found in a book, and just kind of anything that was technical and interesting for him to, to paint. Sure. Um, and we, he, he just passed away actually right after Christmas. And, oh um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we just I just went through an old file I found of, of, of drawings he had done, which was kind of interesting to see, which was like, I never had seen anything like this before. And it was a, a, an array of things. So he was just always playing with different sort of um, ideas That's regarding cool. that. Yeah. So as far as your schooling was concerned, aside from mom being present through a lot of it, what kinds of things were you drawn to subject wise? None of it. Just a proud beast. I, 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 I just I, exactly. It was. It really was. I, I was. I was uncomfortable in high school. Um, uh, just. I don't know. I just felt like this wasn't the right place for me. I didn't really have any ambitions at that point as to where I would be going. But um, I just knew I was ready. To, I just wanted to get home and get away from everybody that I was around and and sort of just dream and kind of explore and you know ride my motorcycle in the woods and you know, build forts and kind of just sort of escape. So were you, in a way. so you're obviously into dirt bikes, not street bikes. Um, it was a, a Q8, it was a, uh, Honda trail 70. Okay. <laughs> so it was a trail bike. Yeah. Yeah. Which now, is do cool. Do you still ride today? No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, but that was fun. It was just, I mean, we lived in the kind of in the country, in the woods, a lake community, and there were all sorts of trails and we were building forts and, you know, kind of living out our, our fantasies, you know, out in the woods, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, with how much you detested school, did you end up going to college? For about a year and a half. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to a small junior college in Jackson, near Jackson, and um, and then for the first year, and then I went for one semester to Mississippi State. Okay. And like three weeks into it, I was just sort of like, this isn't for th- me. I'm done. I'm done. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to figure it out if I stay here. So, um, so were you working then? I started working immediately. I, um, so I left after the first semester. I think I must have, over the Christmas holidays, I interviewed with this clothing store that had fairly recently opened in Jackson called Clothiers and Company um, and got a job selling clothes there at 19 and spent about, I guess, so I was there for four, four years, I guess doing that, uh, selling clothes and started doing, um, display work, visual stuff in the store because nobody else was really taking care of it. So I just sort of took it upon myself to change windows and, you know, do mannequins and all that. And then, uh, started working in a, I kind of left full time work there and just did, was a freelance display person for several stores in town and worked as a waiter and just kind of had a good time. Sure. And then finally got the bug to move to New York in like the fall of 84 and went up there in November and moved the first part of January of 1985. The the dead of winter. Dead of winter. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Back when it actually snowed in November. Uh, Yeah. It was, yeah. I don't even remember it being cold though. Um, Where'd you move to? First apartment was on 33rd and 1st. Okay, so Midtown East. Midtown, yep. And um, I just... uh, a friend of mine that was from Jackson had moved up there and was working for Armani. And, um, um, I stayed with him originally when I, uh, went to visit and he introduced me to his boss who needed a roommate and I moved in with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so many things just kind of fell into place at that time. It was crazy because he, he got me an interview with, with Barney's while I was there in November, met with them while I was there in November, and then had a job when I moved back in January, which was cool, working in their display department. Sure. Um, and then shortly after that, started working for Armani as well. So I was kind of freelancing, just kind of bopping around and doing well, full-time job at Barney's and then leaving at the end of the day. Um, I would take the subway up to 68th and Madison and do what I needed to do there for the store and kind of kept on with them for about seven years. Sure. Um, so then after Armani, where'd you go? So I, I left Barney's after about a year or so and started just doing some freelance work. I actually was working with Armani and then waiting tables for a short time and then started doing some freelance work with Bindles and I met um a guy, Robert Ruffino, who was, um, ended up really being uh, kind of a mentor for me, and I started assisting him. Um, he started working as a stylist, and that was a fairly uh, small industry at the time, and I was his assistant for three years. Um, so were you getting jobs mostly in conjunction with photographers directly or through publications? Well, or? we were uh, both. Uh, I was with him. It was I, I just was following whatever he was doing. So he was we did things for Estee Lauder. We did a lot of work for The New York Times magazine at the time. Uh, back then, it was that, that's what it was called, not T at that point. Sure. Um, and doing men's and women's fashion and home design. So um, doing so that was the editorial side of it for us, both mostly. Um, and then eventually, uh, I kind of broke out on my own. So then you were a stylist for years, 20 something years. Yeah. 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 I started like probably on my own, probably a 89, something like that. And then what companies were you routinely working with? Well, J crew was my first independent, um, client. Um, and I was doing photo shoots and working also helping open some stores and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, connected there through my my uh, friendship with Sid Mashburn, who was also from Jackson, and uh, I didn't know him at that time in, in back home, but we met, and uh, there was a little group of Mississippi folks that kind of hung out. So, yeah, it's kind of how us North Carolina folks were yeah. out in Los Angeles. It, yeah, you, you kind of all somehow you find so, each other. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's back when Sid was designing. Yeah, exactly. For J. Crew, right, um, and uh, then uh, I worked for I think I, I did a lot of work with Armani. I did started working with Calvin Klein in the mid '90s, early '90s, um, helping with fashion shows. Um, through that, I met John Varvatos, who was the menswear designer at Ralph at, at well at at Calvin at, at the Calvin. Time. Okay, and then. He left and moved around, and then he started his own company, and I did a lot of work for him, with him doing his shows in the beginning. Because he had a stint at Ralph, right? He did. Yeah. I think he, yeah, he, I don't remember whether that was before or after. Calvin, I can't recall. Yeah, yeah. sure. But, um, was Calvin's store open yet? It was at 59? That was, uh, that left, if, if, yeah. Uh, that John Pawson space. Exactly. That was after I was working there, but it was, because I think that was probably the late nineties when that opened and I was there a little bit before that. I'm, Such if a I'm great correct. space. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, I passed it yesterday, the last week when I was in New York and it's all boarded up. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So you're in New York doing the styling gigs Yep. for years and years and years. You now live in Charlotte, North Carolina of all places. Who would have thought? So not Mississippi, not New York. Yeah. What brought you down here? 
Well, I um I I left New York in uh, March of 2013 or 14 um, without really an idea of what I was going to do, but I was kind of over the styling gig and I needed to just kind of get away from New York for a bit. So went back home to Mississippi and got a call from Perry Poole, who is an old friend of mine um, who I had not seen in probably 25 years. Um, We knew each other because of my friendship and his roommate, uh, my friendship with Mark McNary, who was his college roommate. So we oh, no all way. sort of were hanging out in the old days of New York. And then uh, and I helped him open a store in Raleigh. Um, what store was that? Beanie and Cecil. Oh, yeah. Um, so that was early, mid-90s. I can't even remember exactly. It's going I used to way work back. two doors away from Did you really? That's yeah. wild. It's, yeah. So I did that with... with, with um, Perry, and then kind of really don't remember seeing him after that for, for much. Um, so really out of the blue, I got this phone call. And he's like, you know, what's going on? I was like, actually nothing. And um, looking for something. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm married, I live in Charlotte. My wife has a store. We, you know, we're looking for someone to help us tweak the interior. And I said, well, I'm not really an interior designer, but I'm happy to help you. So I started coming back and forth here, did a little bit of work there. And, and in the time I was working here, um, the whole idea for Tabor came along and that's something that, you know, Perry was already developing and I got to be a part of in the early age, early stages of that. And, um, and what, what year was that? So this was, so we've been open about five years. Uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be open five years in, in the spring. So, wow. so it's crazy. Yep. So, um, yeah, he had this idea for kind of a men's store, not unlike what his wife did, which was really bringing some attention to um, menswear in a way that people weren't really having access to here in Charlotte and to this part of the the country, really. That was the first impression I got when I first stepped into the store six months ago. Yeah. Hard to believe it feels like yesterday. Yeah. Um, Was that, man, you guys are supporting some brands that like I never would have thought would succeed. In well, it's Laura Vinroot Poole's, you know, um, reputation that she has had with some of these, you know, bigger names that we've got that gives us the chance to, for people to even give us any time of day. Um, and then we have to prove ourselves after that, which I think we've done pretty well with. It's, it's an incredible mix of, of, of designers and brands that are there. Um, and that's, we're really proud of that. Sure. It's great. So we can jump around here for sure. a hot second. What are some of Please. those brands since we're on topic? Um, well, uh, Engineer Garments, Tom Brown, Dries Van Noten, um, Officine General, um, Double RL, Aspezi. I mean, I could go on. There's, there's quite a few. Sure. Anything else that you can think of? Um, I think you have common projects. Common in projects. There. Yeah. Um, we have Church's Shoes. I saw Sunspell. We have Sunspell. We have Tellison. Yeah. Gitman Vintage. I mean, it's a healthy mix because it what's, is. what's the size of the store? I mean, 800 square feet. Yeah. And that's not even all selling space. It's tiny. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm trying to wrap my head around because I know certain brands have minimums, right? Yeah, I know. So, that's, that's tricky. <laughs> so it, with 800 selling you know, I know square feet, you know, we've got, we've, we kind of have our solid group of designers that we've been sort of committed to now for several years. And it's really difficult when we want to start stretching our wings and 
find someone else because it's kind of like if we want to add anything, we have to take get rid of something. Right. You know, and 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 we've slowly kind of tapered off some people um, that aren't bringing in the, the you know they're just that we're kind of growing out of to some degree, and we're sure. kind of you know always refining the quality of of the the people that we represent and um uh you know it just it's it's a constant game of fine-tuning you know which is exciting i mean it, this is not something that i've really done before um working as a buyer with aaron price who is my partner in crime on that and um you know it's um it's my favorite part of the job really sure it's fun so, but your title technically is creative, creative director. director. Yeah, and so what creatively have you really done for this? You, you well, mentioned I mean, interior design. I, I worked with Perry originally on on designing the store space. So that was sort of you know phase one of sort of creating the vision of what Tabor was, which we really wanted it to be. Uh, you know, a, not a, a men's club uh, in the old school way, even though it does have a very sort of um, the, a feel of you know, kind of a place that you want to hang out and, and spend some time there with the coffee shop and the gallery and the bookstore and the front porch and all that. So, you know, it's a very, very comfortable, comfortable spot to come kind of, uh, shop. Yeah. Um, I would agree. But, uh, so, you know, other than that, really the, uh, Instagram has probably been a, a really, it's incredible because it was, it's become so much in the time that we first started with the store and, and what Instagram is these days and it really is kind of how we have created mo the biggest part of our identity I think in some ways which um, has been a lot of fun um, so that's that's a, what that's the monkey on my back every day sure um, but it's fun that's great yeah and then, so you share the buying dues yeah. with Aaron obviously yeah. so what markets are you guys attending typically we I go to Paris uh, twice a year and there's a handful of people that I see there, and that 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 number is growing. And um, then and then New York. So nothing in Italy at this point. Um, so and and not that many uh, off season shopping. Uh, we do most of that just um, from home. Sure. For pre collections and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the buy is so important for a multi brand boutique. Obviously. Yeah. Um, what kind of strategies are you guys considering when you buy each season? Well, we we certainly have a budget in mind, or that that we've been given, or that we we're working with. But it's also just the you know with the our client base is always evolving and it's so much different than it was four years ago. And every season, it's it's changing and evolving. So it's really keeping in mind who those people are, what sizes are they. Uh, what they're drawn to, um, you know, it's 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 not really about what we want them to wear as much as it, it's some of that, you know. I mean, I, I think it's it's walking that line of being um, challenging in um, and 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 inspiring in what the selection is, at the same time not not scaring anybody and, and making people feel really comfortable about just wanting to wear great clothes. I mean, the whole point of us being there is bringing a point of view that really didn't exist and, and doesn't exist in a lot of stores, to be honest with you, not just in Charlotte, but I think across the country on that s small of a scale. Um, so, yeah. So do you have particular clients in mind every time you go to Paris, for example? I've got a list of, of people and I, and, and that helps mostly with just thinking about sizes 
more than anything. So it's that that's really the thing is like who's going to buy this? Right, the breakdown. What, yeah, especially when you're talking about the higher end brands like Saint Laurent, um, mm-hmm. Tom Brown. You know, we've got a pretty hefty minimum with those guys, and it's like okay, if we're going to buy this one suede jacket that's going to be four grand. What size do we buy? We're only going to buy one of them. Like, right. who's going to buy it? Yeah. Did he buy it last year? He's going to want another one. Then do we take a chance on, you know, getting a different size and you know, hoping you know, we can't, something like that. Or does he not want another one because he bought one last? Exactly. Year. I mean, it's it, it's it's that small. It's yeah. really small in, yeah. in a way. And then there's just there's, there's then there's just the risk factor of, of that's like you know, let's just buy it and see what happens. I mean, maybe it'll work. You know, it's right. it's we're still it, it's not ever really that calculated. Um, it's the, the Steve Jobs philosophy of people don't know what they want until you show them. Well, I think so, to some degree. Um, uh, I think that's what makes it fun for us. Sure. So what metrics are you guys using then? Are you, do you just have like a spreadsheet of guys with sizes? That's or? Aaron's department. Okay. But, but <laughs> yes, basically, yeah. that's, that's, that's it. I mean, we have um, all of that, a record of sales and what the sales are from one season to the next and you know who wore what size and... So I've got a, yeah, a list of clients from every, every designer and what, what size they wore and what they've worn. And, you know, so we're not repeating ourselves and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So what are you guys kind of looking for when you go to buy? Like what are, what are the attributes you're looking for in a brand? I think it's things that feel comfortable for people to wear. I think it's, um, you know, we're, 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 we, there's a, always an American sensibility to kind of what we see and what we what we what we like and and how we think men should dress um it's not a particularly sartorial kind of point of view it's a it's a little bit more of just great american clothes in a lot of ways and then even if that's interpreted you know with a a european brand it's like what's an american guy gonna want and it's usually you know even with someone like saint laurent or tom brown uh or Dries which are the more high end and more fashion forward of the brands that we've got, you know, what is the piece that represents the collection to some degree that will actually be desirable. And what's the anonymous piece that, no, you know, that's just a great jacket yeah. that, 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 you know, someone's going to want. Sure. No, and, and, and also we've just got, you know, climate, you know, it's just like the best clothes that we that are for men are coats, which we can't, we can't give away hardly, you know, it's especially this one was, was pathetic. Uh, so it's, you know, it's really tricky to sort of uh, navigate through all those things that are so desirable and so beautiful. And we take chances with a lot of it. I mean, not everyone that shops at the store is here every winter and they've got a place in Aspen or they or know us from another place. I mean, we're spreading our wings um, slowly to, uh, you know, encompass people that don't just live in Charlotte. So sure. I was going to ask you that a little bit later of like, you know, I would imagine your repeat business is pretty, pretty damn good. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. But in addition to that, like, how are you finding that newer customer? Instagram. Really? I mean, I, I think, you know, when I, that it's, it's, it's word of mouth. I mean, we've got people who will, there's a lot of people who will come into town and discover the shop and then they'll become box clients from, you know, out of town, which we do, we do really well with that. And I would say New York's probably our biggest um, city outside of Charlotte where we have a client base um, that's fairly small but um, and even when you look on Instagram what the the cities that are the give you the most um, uh, aware traffic of, traffic exactly yeah does that surprise you at all because 
It does. The brands you carry, they have flagship stores there. They do, but you know, it's different buying in a flagship store and buying in a store where those items have been selected specifically through the eyes of that store. And I think that's what makes what we do so special. It's Fair. like it's it's you're not overwhelmed with all the things that you wouldn't want to wear or couldn't wear or couldn't afford, and you're looking at a refined edit. Um, and and to, to my mind, it's it's things that are actually real that you actually can wear that a, a guy's going to want to put on his back and sure. not feel like you know he's it's wearing them. I think that's really so much about all the clothes that are in the shop and why there is, even though there is such a, a broad range of, of designers that seem to, how could they possibly be in one space? in that small of a space, but somehow there is this connectivity to it all. And I think, it, um, and that's, you know, you know, every season it's sort of like, you know, all, all we can do is see like what we did wrong, but we, we're doing something right, you know? Sure. No, um, absolutely. Yeah, what are some great. of the brands that you guys gravitate towards every season, even since, you know, the day one? Day one, we've we engineered garments, uh, APC, uh, Office in general has been really, really successful for us. I mean, I mean, just what he does is just really great menswear, you know. And, and uh, uh, I think we've always loved Tom Brown. Um, and what we do really well with the shirts, um, just you know, like his standard Oxford stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's I've been wearing them since two thousand five. Yeah, and it's like bulletproof. Yeah, I love it. Um, and uh, we love Tellison for for what they do and their the smallness of that business and how intimate they are. And um, now is that mostly their denim? Yeah, it's a yeah. We do jeans and some of their outerwear pieces. Okay, yeah. yeah. Occasional some shirting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, is there anything considered to be somewhat of a staple that you guys? Uh, well, will always it's funny that you're bringing have? that up because we just launched. Um, uh, our essentials, uh, collection. So what that's been something we've been talking about wanting to do, um, over the years. And, and as, as we've sort of created a shirt with Gitman vintage, um, and found, uh, you know, certain items, uh, that become the client's staples and things that we really believe in, um, that, you know, as we started gathering that information, it sort of created itself. So it's, uh, it's a Stutterheim rain jacket. It's a Save Khaki Chino. It's the Gitman Vintage Oxford. It's a Church's Loafer. It's a Common Projects white sneaker. You know, just that core group of easy clothes that guy just kind of is drawn to and wears. Yeah, Every day pulls out and is like, I'm, I'm wearing my favorite shirt today. Or So it <laughs> sounds like you would probably define your customer if I could put words in your mouth. Sure, why not? As just a very traditional, easygoing, kind of basics-driven guy. I think so. Uh, basics driven. Uh, not, not too many peacocks coming through is what I'm saying. Well, that's, yeah. And, and uh, we don't really cater to that many peacocks, even though there's a little peacock going on. Um, well, right now with but, the maximalism. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, you know, there's, you know, a floral dress shirt is, you know, fairly peacock and, sure. and, and, you know, sitting, sitting pretty in the store right now. Right. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, uh, I think they're, our guys are just looking for great clothes that, that they feel comfortable wearing. Um, and, you know, we want to get them out of the wrong chinos and into the right ones and, um, you know, update their, their loafer um, that they might be wearing or um, 
get them in a beautiful navy suit. Um, we just started our own uh, Tabor tailored collection last fall. We've got our second collection coming out now, so it's two suits and four sport coats um, that we created, uh, which is super exciting. So kind of expanding on the things that we kind of couldn't find from some people, from a lot of the, the brands that we carried, um, just needing like a beautiful sport coat. Sure. Um, What's the price point that those guys? Uh, we were jackets were probably a thousand to twelve hundred bucks. Okay. Same thing with the well, the uh, six. Uh, I think it was a little bit less than that actually. We had it was a range. It depends on the fabric. I think there was a a seven hundred dollar blazer up to a thousand, and then the suits were at twelve hundred. So are these like so, just cotton or gabardine or like what are they? Uh, that we had a wool flannel, gray flannel suit, and um, a navy wool suit, and then it was several different tweed coats that um, some cashmere and silk blends, but basically. Um, so a healthy mix. Yeah, like, I thought yeah. so. What was sort of the style? We had a notch lapel blazer with a, with a three button. Uh, then there was a, um, a sack jacket and a peak lapel suit and a notch lapel suit. So nice. it was three three models that, um, yeah, with several different fabrics, so. Are you a watch collector, but having trouble finding something cool and unique? I mean, the last thing you really want is what everyone else has, right? Well, this is where my friend and former Standard Age podcast guest, Tim Jackson, comes in. He and his wife, Jana, own Passion Fine Jewelry in Solana Beach, California, where you'll find an incredible assortment of independent watches waiting for you in their shop and online. And if you're getting engaged, have an anniversary coming up, or simply have another reason to buy jewelry, they have you covered. Passion Fine Jewelry also employs a goldsmith on staff for any custom desires, so you're able to go that route if you so choose. Visit Passion Fine Jewelry when you find yourself in Southern California, but they're also open 24 hours a day at passionfinejewelry.com. You can also find a wealth of information through Tim's blog, independentintime.com, where he covers anything independent watchmaking related, uh, among a plethora of other information. So check that out as well. I've really enjoyed creating these podcasts on behalf of Standard H and sharing each of these personal stories with all of you. We each have goals and it's the entrepreneurial spirit that inspired me to start the company. You can further support the brand and the podcast by visiting standard-h.com to pick up your choice of merchandise. And as always, thank you for listening. Lastly, if you have a moment, please rate and review the show. It makes a tremendous difference in keeping these things going. Now back to my conversation with Scott. So what kinds of things inspire you every day? I mean, you've been in this business for eons. You know, I feel like I've been in the business a while. You've been in the business longer than I have. I have been. So what gets you out of the bed? Clients. You know, what, the people, what, the people the, what we can what we can bring to them. Uh, the the kind of the camaraderie that we have in the store and the environment that we can kind of uh, uh, create for people there um you know art's always an influence um but really it's just really trying to do something different in this town than than really people have done before you right. know um yeah that's cool yeah no i like it um what do you sort of define as being a good garment? Like you described the Oxford from Tom Brown as being bomb proof, right? So yeah. 
I guess a major component of that definition comes down to quality or at least longevity. Yeah. How else do you define something that's actually good? Uh, some The fit, the fabric, um, kind of just how it might transform you in, when you put it on. Um, it, it really varies. I mean, every, every, every garment is different and, and, you know, the functionality of something or just the, the way the fabric feels, I mean, it, it's different with everything. Um, but, and, and it's not even about price point, you know, I mean, for me also, it's just, I like something that feels really wearable that I'm going to put on. I'm going to feel, it just feels right. Sure. Are you um, into, and I'm only asking this almost mm-hmm. as a sidebar, are you into selvage denim and like raw denim? Because a lot of people think it's like itchy, scratchy, hard, you know, crispy. Personally, I like it. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah. I like, I like that it becomes your own. That's the thing that's so great about it. You know, you, you buy a pair and yeah, it, it, it gets better with time. Um, it's like, you know, a great leather bag. You know, it's sure. going to be, you're going to first have, you're going to be like, you know, it's, you know, it's a little shiny or it's a little like new feeling, but you know, a year later it's not. So, right. you know, we do quite well with selvage denim. Um, uh, and that's a big part of the denim we've got there. It's a little bit harder to sell, but you know, you've got your fans and then you've got the people that you try to convince and, and are successful with. And then you've got the guys who just want something that's, you know, comfortable and easy. So. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny because I would say Charlotte having, having grown up and spent so much time in Raleigh, yeah. right? Like seven jeans in 2004, right? Every guy on the block had seven jeans on and woman. And it was, yeah, exactly. But since we're talking, <laughs> sure. The, uh, but the conversation and the convincing that is almost necessary to illustrate to a guy that these crispy fabric jeans will actually become softer and become your own to your point. Right. Like it, that's the hardest part of that sell. But it once is. you get them hooked, yeah, then exactly. It's like you're hooked. I mean, my first pair of raw denim was APC, and that was right. in the '90s, whenever they first opened in New York, and um, and it was that was the first time I was ever told that you didn't wash your jeans, and that you know it was about dry cleaning was what we talked about then. I don't, you don't hear that as much now. Like wool light about, dark. What's that? Wool light dark in the bathtub. You right. Know, just exactly. Um, but the dry cleaning was the thing back then. Now it's, now it's, you know, a, a, you know, a, a dip in the tub kind of thing, but, right. you know, once a year at most. Um, but, um, and we still carry ABC. That's part of our, our essentials program too. So how do you describe your personal style? I, I, um, efficient. <laughs> I like it. I like, it. I, you know, I mean, almost everything you, you walk into my closet room and it's, everything is navy basically or, right so the or whole or idea white. of i mean of a I, uniform. I, 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 yes and no i just um i the older i've gotten the better i feel like i look in something dark um and but with a white shirt usually i mean that's kind of my go-to uh but i also don't want to have to think about it i i now i have to go to work every day and i have to get dressed and I enjoy every bit of it, but I also don't like to have to think too much about it. Right. And, and also with traveling, it's great to just like, you just throw a bunch of stuff in the suitcase and it all works. Yeah. Which is great. Exactly. Versatility. Um, and so, uh, so I've, it, it, and there's a part of me that's gotten a little bit lazier and less experimental. Uh, and then living here versus New York. I mean, when I was a, a stylist, I was more interested in experimenting with a lot of different things. 
and um, kind of seeing what it felt like to wear something from Rick Owens and what was that all about? Sure. And, you know, whatever. So living here now, everything is seen through the eyes of Tabor and how, what does that guy look like? And, and, and how do I need to come across to the people that come to the store? And, and so my, it's been such a big shift in the way I think about getting dressed now than ever before, because it's sure. being looked at in a different way. And how much of, how much of what you're doing at the store, right? Based yeah. on how you dress, do you view as an education touch point for the person walking through the door versus this is just how you want to look given the assortment available? I don't think about it that much, but I think that it is a little bit of both of that. I, I, I have to consider that I'm a representative for the store, not just in the store, but anywhere I go in town. And, um, you know, um, that's really nice. Like that's, that's like a really sweet sentiment, I think. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you, I, too many people you. don't <laughs> think that way. Yeah. Um, about their job. Well, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a small, intimate group of us there and it's such a personal job for me and I've been involved in it from its inception and you know it's so the emotional it, investment it's is very there. emotional yeah. yeah very very much and and so you know I I don't think that I, there's a day that I don't walk out the door not thinking about that um and uh and and that's that's nice yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like that's when you know you're where you're supposed to be. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I certainly am surprised that this is where I landed and that this is what I'm doing, but because I've really not done any of this before, but so many different things that I have done have contributed to the things that are asked of me now. Sure. Um, which is kind of great. So it's all still feels really new and fresh um, as opposed to just like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? That's cool. Which is cool. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Well, the layout of the store is really interesting, too, because you walk into a coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. And you hang a hard left into a gray-walled space that's very on-brand, given, like, your business card color and everything else that's really cohesive. Um, You were kind of, before we started recording, you kind of went down the road of telling me the setup. So the yes. coffee shop is actually an independent business. Yes. So we, we're in a, a sort of a historic bungalow on a main road that's like a highway running through, through Charlotte, um, kind of tucked away up on a hill, um, old front porch. We, we took that building over, did a lot of uh, restoration or, 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 you know, enhancement to it. Um, and we, had, we joined forces with um, Chandra Johnson, who wanted to open up an art gallery. Um, which also incorporates a bookstore. Uh, We had always wanted um, to have a little cafe, but that didn't really, we created the space for it, but we didn't really have the the, the coffee people um, in line until really it's been a couple of years now. um, Oh, so you guys were there before the coffee shop. Yeah, well, yeah, the coffee came in, um, uh, I think it was probably two or three years ago. So we were, it was just sort of a, you know, a desk up there waiting, waiting to be a, taken and oh, you know, we see. had a few people we had some uh some people in there not just coffee is there now and they were there for uh, as a pop-up for a while um but fully engaged with us is is fairly recent 
Gotcha. So the idea was always there. It just took a while to find the right, the right But you guys people. don't own that. No. So they just lease the space yeah. from you or whatever. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But it's a great experience. I mean, we, you know, we've got the, the front porch, which is um, a place during the day people can hang out, but it's also a place where we have, you know, uh, dinner parties, which is awesome at night. And, you know, the, the parking lot becomes, you know, uh, a place that we grill or, uh, you know, half a pig or you know we the events and a band playing out there and you know it's we've got a couple of big events during the year and you know get two or three hundred people out there um yeah the it's really out cool there. it's really a great sort of um spot i love the porch because it just yeah. makes me feel like i'm in the south exactly no it's you great. know that kind of wraparound porch thing and especially you from mississippi and I mean, those old like plantation homes right that's gotta <laughs> take you right back right yeah i love a porch um very cool I would be bouncing off the walls if I were that close to an espresso machine. <laughs> I think that, are you an espresso guy? Are you uh, guy? I do my coffee in the morning before I get there usually. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. Um, so what's kind of next for Tabor? Is there anything that is kind of on the to-do list necessarily, or is it just kind of stay the course? Uh, or can you talk about it? You know, I, there's all sorts of things that we talk about. Uh, there seems to be a real interest in um, women's. Um, From a jealousy perspective? or Because uh, <laughs> you guys are doing things so well. No, I just, I think... I I was, think I'm joking. I'm joking. I, 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 I don't know. I, right now, it's about increasing the client base and, and really um, just... Um, sort of continuing to fine-tune what we're doing to talk about anything further i mean there's always talk about another store there's always talk about doing a women's store there's always you know all of that's talk at this point i have no idea we're not really interested in making too many big changes anytime soon i still feel like we are just getting our our feet going yeah you know, it's it's um it ain't broke don't fix it yeah right not, not yet um uh it's all interesting to talk about but um not yet Cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what do you like to do with your free time then? What are you doing when you're not working? <laughs> Playing with my dog. <laughs> so just hanging at home? I pretty much hang at home. I really do. I, I'm pretty quiet. I mean, I uh, uh, the job is such a, a social job that it's sort of nice to sort of not have to talk to anybody at night. It's just kind of <laughs> unwind. No, I, I, I really do. Totally and get then it. get up and do it again the next day. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. So do you get back up to the city? Uh, just, uh, well, I'm going on Sunday, but, um, oh, cool. really just for market, you know, at this point, um, you know, taking off for a weekend to go up there just doesn't feel like the kind of thing that it just feels too short of a time to get up there. So, um, I miss my friends up there, but, um, you know, sure. we stay in touch. Thank yeah. God for texting. So is there a market up there? I know it's fashion week. I'm right? going up there for something else. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still, uh dabbling in some interior design work so oh I've nice some fabric i've got to work, look for so oh cool yeah well when you said paris earlier i thought you might go for the fabric show for some reason no 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 which no i'd love to i've, I've done that before and it's amazing um it's incredible it's overwhelming but uh uh no usually it's just market regular market gotcha yeah, yeah. 
I just like immediately went towards your suiting and blazers when thinking about that. I know. Well, well I mean, that's where, the thing. Where did you guys get your well, fabric? Well, the fabrics were provided by the maker, um, oh, and that's that was really convenient. And um, but also, I think not quite as broad of as what we would like. So, really, kind of right now, still exploring what our options are for that to sort of make them our own. I think that's the thing. I, I don't want to be making something that that someone else might be using the same fabric if, if possible so right you know and i mean some things don't matter as much but a navy flannel shouldn't matter but you know a particular tweed or whatever i think you want to kind of let it be yeah sure own, you know the only one there i was gonna say because yeah fabric development's a whole different beast i mean come on <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that much time there's only four of us there so um, um mostly a homebody when you're not working are you traveling at all any like other trips or is it just paris twice a year sufficient yeah yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I did a lot of traveling back in the day, but um, when I had more time. Well, cool. Well, just um, wrapping things up here, I did notice the ring. Yeah. It's really cool. Thank you. It's, I'm uh, going to have to take a photo of that and post it on the Instagram. It's not anything. No story? No story whatsoever. It was a purchase on eBay. I wish I could tell you it was my grandfather's or something like that. But, no way. But no, eBay yeah. find. Yeah. Amethyst? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. I like it. It's, it's kind like of, a blob you know, of gold. But kind of sort of Art Deco. But, uh, yeah. It's, there's a modernist quality to it. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I like it. And I like a faceted stone. For sure. You know? It's yeah. Cool. No it's, watch, though. No watches. Yeah. I mean, I used to have some, but I feel, you know, I'm not, and I'm not supporting, but. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. Cars? <laughs> uh, I love cars. You know, I'm practical about everything right right now. I mean, all I've the money in the ones. world, what are you buying? Oh, goodness. I mean, uh, What's your dream? I'm not flashy. Dream uh, garage. I, what does it look like? Okay. Uh, it's kind of, it's charmingly modest. I would like to have another BMW 2002. I had oh, one at one point. Car. I love that car. Um, I love a Volkswagen Fastback. Um, I love a hardtop MGB from probably sometime in the 60s. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned the 2002 when it yeah. was like, 2001 yeah right yeah, the yeah year i mean yeah i was like crossing my fingers that bmw would re-release oh my gosh the I didn't 2002 about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in 2002 yeah alas they never did obviously i love that car yeah i mean that those are three of my favorites and they're all sort of for no reason other than there's something about them. i think it was awesome um they, they look great you know, uh, <laughs> that's why some kind of you know spider uh you know sure there's there's yeah but I like a smaller car, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. You're and, welcome. Uh, thank you. It's and having me into this you. awesome apartment of yours. Thank you. Appreciate yes, it. Yes, this is such a great space. It's been nice. Well, let's head back to the store and, and maybe get some shopping done. I'd love that. Okay, man. All right, man. Thank you. Well, this concludes season two of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate and review the show so others can find it. And definitely big thanks goes to Scott and the team at Tabor for having me. It was certainly great to be back in the shop. And as always, thanks to Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones and to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track. I'm off to New York to get season three's lineup started, and I think you're really going to enjoy what I have lined up. I can't thank you all enough for your continued support feedback and all of your comments regarding the show it's been an absolute blast and i'll definitely see you for season three cheers everyone